This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Nation. Ferd Neiman here again with another podcast for you today. Today, we're going to talk about some more legal issues. Today, we're going to talk about leasing rules and guidelines. As I think most of you know, leasing and landlord-tenant law, lease rules, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's pretty important. And it's different from state to state. So I've operated in plus or minus 15 states, and there are a lot of similarities. In fact, most of it is similar. But there are some key distinctions. So it's important to research the state code, state law, state regulation, and in some instances, the city regulations before finalizing your lot lease or your home lease. I've also talked at length in other podcasts about, you know, your contract for deeds, your lease to own, your rent credits, those sort of things. There are specific provisions pertaining to, you know, quote, installment sales or, quote, selling on terms on a state-by-state basis. So it's important to recognize that as well. There's a couple different philosophies as it pertains to leasing. There's obviously the letter of the law, there's the spirit of the law, and I even have some clients that want to be, quote, aggressive and, you know, ask kind of for forgiveness rather than permission. And by that, I mean, there are some states out there that have provisions in their leases that are things like um, landlord is prohibited from limiting landlord liability in any form or shape in a lease at any time. Okay, that's obviously not good for the landlord. But if you look deeper in some of the statutes, it'll say things like, if landlord abuses this rule and puts a limiting liability provision in said lease, said provision is struck in the event of a judgment by a court. So I'm sitting here like, well, the worst case scenario is we don't get the strong provision. There's no punitive damages. There's no class action lawsuit. There's no criminal penalty. So a lot of my clients choose to take the more quote, aggressive stance, and just put it in the lease. And some of the reasons they put it in the lease is it deters litigious, you know, junior varsity attorneys, as I call them, who a tenant comes to them and says, oh, my gosh, I slip and I, I think I fell, you know, on my trash, on my banana peel that I left there. I should sue. I should sue for a million dollars. And the, and the, the junior varsity attorney looks at the lease and says, oh, no, it says it's a limitation of liability. And they just go, they just give up, right? And it goes away. And most of these prospective tenants will have, you know, not a retainer attorney. They'll have a contingent fee attorney. And the contingent fee attorney is not going to do the hard work and the heavy lifting of researching the law, let alone the Mobile Home Park Landlord-Tenant Bill of Rights Act, as it pertains in some states, to come up with the minutiae that would allow them to be successful in a, in a plaintiff's position or plaintiff's litigation. So, point being... There's different approaches to attacking a lease. I've got many a template leases. I don't have every state. I think I'll have every state probably by the end of 2021. But frankly, I don't really get to it until somebody hires me to do it, right? So I do it at a kind of a subsidized rate to uh, get it in my portfolio, if you will. And then I have it, right? And then it benefits the first guy, the second guy, the third guy. 
But there are, there are about, I'd say, five key areas of, you know, quote, state-specific leases. You can have a template lease, right? I mean, you can go find a lease on the internet right now, and maybe it's garbage, maybe it's okay. But the best lease is one that's state-specific and MHP-specific. My, my, quote, template lease is 27 pages. It's got a 15-page leasing guideline addendum. It's got a Schedule 2 that is a the pricing and terms addendum. It's got a Schedule 7 pet addendum if we allow pets. It's got a, another ancillary document called an Acknowledgement of Documents Received that says they've signed off on all these different documents. And ultimately, I hand out about a 50-page packet, and I say, send me the four signature pages back. And I've got a little footer in there that says, look, proof, if I go to court, I gave them these pages, they signed up these pages, it is what it is, and I've never had any problems with it, you know, knock on wood. But ultimately, there's about five provisions that you definitely need to look at on a state-by-state -state basis. And those are Dodd-Frank, abandoned housing, eviction-slash-possession, you know, water-sewer-billback-slash-utility, and then really MHP-specific. So, I mean, the big one, Dodd-Frank, that's this big federal animal under the SAFE Act and the Dodd-Frank Act. And... You know, I've talked about it ad nauseum on other podcasts, but basically it pertains to the seller financing of homes. If you have no park-owned homes, you have no seller financing of homes, you can skip this button, right? But ultimately, if you there, there are, in addition to the federal regulations, there are some states that have state-specific guidelines. So you need to research those and make sure your lease, or at a minimum not your lease, but your practice or your behavior complies with said law. The second big one is abandoned housing. You can call it quiet title called abandoned housing, you can do things like get a, a salvage title or a junk title or a bonded title. You can gift away the property. You can buy it on the tax uh, tax steps at the courthouse. All these sort of things. But ultimately, if somebody abandons the house, you need to at least be cognizant of the Abandoned Housing Act. Your lease may or may not be more aggressive than said act, but your implementation strategy should not be. And one key strategy there is to have certain indemnifications and reps and warranties in your bill of sale or your assignment of leases at closing, whereby you put the onus and the exposure on the seller. Which, frankly, I don't have half the guys rebut it or redline it. They just say, okay, I got this house, I own this house, John Smith's been at NOM since 1970, and he ain't coming back. Well, I'm worried about, is he coming back? Is he going to say there was gold bars under the kitchen floor? So I watch for abandoned housing acts. Another thing is eviction possession. I personally don't do a lot of evictions. In fact, I don't think I do any evictions. Um, it's very municipality or local jurisdiction specific. That's one of the areas where you can probably cut some corners and hire the cheapest guy as opposed to the best guy. You can probably find attorneys that are, depending on the trade area, $100, $150 an hour. Maybe fixed fee. I find guys that are like 400 bucks, an, 400 bucks a job to do the full eviction plus court cost. Go with those guys, frankly. Don't call me for the evictions. Um, but you want to make sure you follow the rules as it pertains to evictions, judgments, and orders of possessions, which often entails engaging the sheriff to enforce said writ of possession to get the occupant off the premises. That can be hostile. That can be dangerous, so don't jack around with that. Another big state-specific item is the water sewer billback. Obviously, anybody who's listened to this podcast, or at least who's paid attention for the first 40 or so episodes knows one of the names of the game is cutting expenses and you do that by billing back water sewer and it's really it's fair it's the best system it's the best for conservation 
Why should the landlord pay some infinite number for water sewer when there's no accountability? Put in submeters. There's a number of companies that do it. Universal, Metron. I've seen a couple others lately. Um, I'm sure there's others. I don't. I kind of use. I use Metron um, just because it, it worked the first time. They don't pay me to say that, but uh, I don't have a reason to not be satisfied with them. So, anyway, water sewer, sewer billback is an, an avenue towards profitability. But some states have regulations and rules pertaining to said water sewer billback. And you, want, you do not, in general, want to be classified as a utility provider. So you need to make sure you follow the rules. You don't want to be regulated by... Public Service Commission or Department of Natural Resources, whatever the entity is. So you just need to make sure you follow those laws. And it's sometimes it's specific per utility. Sometimes it's, it's uh, prevalent in all utilities. So just make sure you follow those rules. And that's a state-by-state thing. I'm not aware of it being a city-by-city thing, but it could be, I guess. I just, I just haven't run into that where a certain city says you have to. But there's definitely different types of water sewer. Um, obviously, if it's city water, city sewer direct build, it's a non-issue. But if, it's, if you got, you know, non-submetered, or you have well, or septic, or wastewater, or lagoon, or you just have, you know, some other creative structure, you need, you need to at least evaluate this and evaluate the laws. And the fifth item is really just MHP-specific laws. You know, every state has landlord-tenant law, to my knowledge. I mean, frankly, I haven't read every state, but I'd be shocked if there's not a landlord-tenant law in every state. But there are some states... They have specific provisions. So, I mean, like, I just did a lease on South Carolina. South Carolina has unique statutory provisions as it pertains to abandoned housing. Well, you have to follow those rules, or at least you're, if you don't, you're going to be exposed to them. They, they have certain provisions for MH that say, like, you know, if you do not pay rent on time, you're supposed to be in all caps in your lease. If they have, South Carolina even says things like the, the minimum lot size is X feet wide by Y feet long. Okay, that's kind of weird, but that's what they do, right? Illinois, okay, they have things like you must, quote, offer a lease that is not less than two years. So your regular junior varsity attorney is going to tell you something like, okay, oh, sorry, man, you got to do two-year lease. I know your business model is month-to-month or year-to-year, so you can increase rent in the interim, but that's two years. Well, your, quote, good attorney or varsity attorney who also happens to be an operator will say things like, yeah, that's what the statute says. The statute also says in the event that a lessee has a reason for a non-normal situation where they want less than two years you can do that if they indicate such as right in such indicate as such excuse me in writing okay well here's an idea have your schedule two say month to month sign off have the body or lease say must be we're offering in pursuant to the law a two-year term either check here for two years or check here or don't check here for a lesser term okay makes sense for a lot of people to go with the you know pre-filled form that says month to month okay each state's their own certain states have things like illinois for example has a 90-day notice of rent increase other states have 30 they have 60 it's really a state-by-state thing um you just got to look at that some states have almost no landlord tenant supplements that are MH specific. I just did leases for North Carolina, South Carolina, Kentucky, Georgia, Ohio. Less than you'd think. Florida, there's a lot. There's a prospectus even. It's an additional supplement. Iowa, not that much actually, despite the fact that there's been lots of talk on rent control. Illinois has a really stiff, uh, they call it the Mobile Home Park Landlord-Tenant Bill of Rights Act. 
by memory, if my memory serves. And it's, it's pretty onerous. But there's, you know, quote, workarounds, or there's easy ways to comply. There's, there's some, there are some provisions, in fact, entire paragraphs you must include in your lease. There are things like the Department of Public Health pamphlet. You must distribute and get sign-off that you distributed it. You know, it's like the lead paint kind of stuff. It's not the big deal. Just give it up, show it off, share it, and be compliant. But you don't want to get stung. In your lease, in general, you want to have things like arbitration provisions, uh, severability provisions, unconscionable provisions, limitation provisions, in addition to maybe some more MH-specific provisions like right of first refusal or, or something of the sort. Um, so ultimately, the message for the day is, you know, get a good lease, strong lease. It's going to be fair and reasonable, but it can be 5149 landlord favorable. Maybe not 99-1. That might be unconscionable under the law, but it would not be unreasonable to have a, a lease that's strong for the landlord in fact you would almost be imprudent not to but watch out for those five things those are the big ones dodd frank abandoned housing eviction possession you know the water sewer bill back stuff and then just really mh specific statutory provisions if you if you tackle those you know you should be in good shape um i wouldn't recommend recommend rocket lawyer you know for this one but you can read the code yourself. You can talk to your state state MHA. That's probably a good starting point. But to be honest, they're not all the best. There are some really good ones, and there are some that pretty much all they do is golf tournaments and garbage. I I, I join. I'm probably a member of 15 state MHAs, and frankly, I, some of them are a waste of fifty dollars, hundred dollars. But some of them, it's like, holy cow, I only paid two hundred dollars, and I just call them and I'm like, hey, what's the legislation? I'm on their email list. I get their meeting invoice, meeting invites, all these sort of things, and I get thousands and thousands of dollars of value. Um, some of them even give you template documents. Obviously, I'm biased. You can hire me to do template documents too, right? Um, they may have one. It might be good. There's one state in particular. I'm not going to call them out here because I'm a member, but their template document sucks and i read it i reviewed it i redlined it and it, it clearly it was from a, some attorney that's never been in a trailer park right um so you need to just if you're a mobile home park owner actually read the lease if you have questions and concerns make a bullet point question list and call your attorney or call your mha and ask specific questions if they can't answer that and that's their job you need to move on okay but overall, leasing is super important. I may or may not get into more podcasts on the leasing topic. I think everybody gets it. This just, I've been working on about a dozen state template leases here in the last 60 days. So I've just kind of been on my mind that, you know what, there are some, and I don't, even, I don't even frankly know all the distinctions and differences until I know, right? I'm ignorant until I read a specific state statute. And uh, I don't know what I don't know. If you're operating in a state and you have not read the state code, you're a fool. You need to do that, or you need to hire somebody else to do it, okay? It's not that big of an expense or that big of a headache, but there are distinctions. I'd say in the southeast, there's a lot more similarity just because the culture is similar. But if you're going from, like, I'm, I'm in the under contract right now on deals in Nebraska, Missouri, Iowa, Illinois. I got offers in Oklahoma out, uh, Florida, and Kentucky, okay? I can make offers without knowing the lease, but I cannot close and sign up tenants without knowing the lease. So I've, I've built up some, I got some pent up work, if you will, on my plate 
if these deals go through. So you need to do the same thing. If you already own, already operate, make sure you're a member of your state MHA and make sure you've got a state-specific lease. Until next time, sign off. God bless. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.